you guys let me know. Good morning, church. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here at Plaza. I want to thank you for joining us and glad that you're here. hope you're ready to study God's Word. If you have a copy of God's Word, grab it so you can look at the text with us, mark it up. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Philippians chapter 2. We're making our way through this book. And before we jump in, I want to give you a couple of just quick announcements. Uh, first of all, you've heard several times, feel free to text us. We've got several different keywords you could send. If you're brand new, text the word CONNECT to 757-239-3993. Again, that's the word CONNECT, and uh, man, that'll uh, help us just get to know you. We're not going to spam you, but gives us an opportunity to know who you are. You can find out more about our church and how you could get connected here. You can text the word PRAY if you have a prayer request. And then if you're part of the church family or been a member and attender around Plaza for a while, just text the word loop so you can be in the communication loop with different announcements we send out and uh, encouraging things. Send out scriptures. Uh, It's an awesome way. And it's a two-way communication. You can text us back with questions. So love for you to do that. And also want to remind you that here in February, we're fasting. Uh, For people from a different church background, uh, you may have started fasting just now. For many people, they're starting Lent uh, this week uh, with Ash Wednesday being this past Wednesday. And uh, for some people, they've been doing that. But we we just like to fast all of February. Um, And uh, we're taking this time really to seek God's will to make sure we're continuing to abide. Um, and so there are fasting guides. That's put in the chat and love for you to join us in that. And then lastly, for the members and people who are interested in becoming members, the covenants went out. We kind of yearly sign those and renew, recommit our, ourselves to the local church, but to Christ more importantly. And so I want to make sure you send those back. Uh, should have received that in the mail and I uh, want to invite you to send that back to us. And so please do that. All right, so we've been in this series, and the series is called A Letter from Lockdown. And the title of today's message is this, Risky E and Death Row Records. Risky E and Death Row Records. Uh, It's a study through the book of Philippians. We are uh, looking at this letter that Paul wrote. He was in jail. That's why it's called A Letter from Lockdown. And he wrote back to the church that he helped start in this place called Philippi, which is actually kind of northern Greece. It was actually the first church um, in Europe. Uh, Most of the other churches were in, obviously, the Middle East and Turkey. Um, And uh, if you're familiar with the book of Acts that talks about the birth of the early church, um, this is where um, before Paul went there, he had what was called the Macedonian call. And that's what they called that area. They didn't call it Greece Back then, they call it Macedon or Macedonia. And so he's writing to this church to encourage them. And joy is the main theme, um, but he's navigating us. And he's, what is he going to tell us as people from, uh, as he's writing to us from lockdown? And so um, as we talk about this title of Risky E and Death Row Records, um, he's giving us these very practical things. He started chapter two with this beautiful poem about Christ. Um, and the nature of Christ. And theologians have studied chapter 2 of Philippians for years and, and tried to dissect it. What does this mean about the nature of Christ? Fully God, fully man. And, um, and they've talked about what does this mean for him to be this servant that he laid down his life for us. And then what Paul does, he gives us this great theology of Jesus, but then he gives us two practical examples. We looked at the first example last week, Timothy, who lived this life 
uh, of selflessness. And then today we're going to look at this guy. I like to call him Risky E. His name is Epaphroditus. And uh, I brought a little picture here in case you don't know anything about uh, maybe, we're we're not going to call him Easy E. But we brought a picture here today of a guy named uh, Easy E. Um, and, um, but we're going to call him Risky E, Risky E. And, and, uh, instead of a Compton hat, uh, or a, um, Oakland Raiders hat or, uh, some other, you know, King's hat, we give him a gospel hat. And, uh, so this is not easy because he doesn't take it easy, but he risks his life for the sake of the gospel. And I want you to know, listen, taking God centered kingdom advancing, Others benefiting risks is the way of God's kingdom. It's the way of Jesus to take risks that are God-honoring, Christ-centered, kingdom-advancing, and others-focused. Man, that is the nature of the call upon Christian lives, not to play it safe and to stay cozy little Christians and, and sit in our churches and sing kumbaya, but to risk our lives. And so I got a couple different names here. I was going to call them Big E. So you can put in the chat, what name do you like? You like Risky E? Do you like Big E? I don't really know if I want to call him Big E because I didn't really fit his character necessarily. But, you know, back when I was growing up, we called people like, hey, what's up, Big E? And, um, but that just didn't fit. You could call him maybe. Here's another name you could put in the chat. Uh, Courageous E. You like that one better than Risky E? Courageous E? How about Brave E? Or Heroic E? Or for all of my Divergent fans, uh, dauntless E. Which, which one do you like? Go ahead and put that in the chat there. Go ahead, chat it up. Risky E, dauntless E, heroic E, brave E. Uh, you get to pick, and then you can have this little character here and take him home and snuggle with him. And, uh, but no, more than that, more than just the name, we want to be emulating because the reason why Paul puts this guy's name in the scripture for us is so that we can honor him, but so that we can live lives because he's living like Christ, and we are to live like Christ. And so the point for today is this point number one, you can write this down, is I am called to live a sacrificially courageous. Sacrificially, that's the word this week, is sacrifice versus selflessness. And this is really what Risky E or Epaphroditus is doing. So his name is Epaphroditus. Obviously, that's a hard name to say and why uh, we call him Risky E. But I want to just give you some background here on what's going on in the text. And we're going to look at verse 25 here. And let's just look at the first verse. Verse 25 says this. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says this. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. There's his name, Risky E. My brother fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. I want us just to pause right here and see what's going on. Paul again is in a prison cell. Um, He is most likely in prison in Rome. And the Philippian church wanted to encourage Paul. They wanted to help Paul. He was the pastor that started their church and he has moved on and they want to send him a gift And they're sending a gift of most likely money. And uh, they're also sending the gift of Epaphroditus, risky E. And it's quite possible that um, Epaphroditus is going to come there to Rome and then stay in Rome and be Paul's sort of personal assistant, helping him, bringing him food and clothing while visiting him in jail, kind of a personal helper. 
Timothy is currently with Paul, and Epaphroditus is maybe coming to give Timothy a break, and they're hoping that maybe Timothy will come to their church and uh, give them a report and encourage them as well. We can see that from the text here. But Risky E is sacrificing his life, not just for Paul, but for the sake of the gospel, so that the gospel will continue to go forth. Now, um, I want you just to see the nature of the risk that Epaphroditus took. Epaphroditus is from Philippi, which is approximately 800 miles away from Rome. And he's going to take an 800-mile journey, not by plane, not by train, not by automobile, not by Uber, not even by bicycle. He is probably going to walk, maybe, maybe get some camels or donkey. He's going to make an 800-mile trek. This would take approximately seven weeks. This is a man who is not concerned about his own comfort, is not concerned about his own desires, his own preferences. He knows there is something bigger than him, that his life is about something grander, uh, not just about his little life, but there's something, a bigger picture, a bigger story that he's a part of, and that's God's story. And he says, I am going to inconvenience myself. I'm going to sacrifice and get uncomfortable so that the gospel continue to go forth. And so he's leaving behind his home, his job, his familiar surroundings. And he says, I'm going to go take this 800-mile journey. And so it's risky for him to travel because he's going to be out of his comfort zone. It's also risky for him to travel because he's carrying a large sum of money. Now think about that. This is like a Brinks truck, right? You know, um, going on this thing. And robbers on the Roman roads were a very common thing. It was much easier to rob somebody out on the open road than it was to rob somebody in a village because obviously you had other people there. But people traveling roads alone, it was so easy. And that was a common form of robbery. And so he's risking his life knowing that I'm carrying this large sum of money and I could get attacked on this. Furthermore, he's risking his life because Paul is on death row. That's why we're calling him Risky E in death row records. Paul is on death row. He is uh, being charged with a capital crime. And for Epaphroditus or Risky E to come and be even associated with Paul is risky for him. People are going to start identifying him with Christians, with the Apostle Paul. And, And he could be attacked. He could be stoned. He could be brought into jail and charged with something for an accomplice. We don't know. And and again, they didn't have rights like we have rights nowadays. And so he is easily risking himself in several ways, traveling, giving up his plans, and being associated with the gospel and Paul. Man, I wonder how many of us, I think in our modern era in the Western world, we have grown so soft, so comfortable in our pews and our homes even now. And, um, and, and I think one of the things that I know COVID-19 has taught me is that we have got to get a whole lot tougher as the people of God. We see our brothers and sisters all throughout the globe constantly going and stretching beyond their comfort zone for the sake of the gospel, doing what's not their preference because there is a greater purpose for which my life is called to live. There is a greater story, not just my story, but God's story that I'm called to be a, a part of. And so here is Risky E. So I want us to uh, notice this, and I want to look at a couple things, but Christians don't say, like we were singing some songs actually here in our recording time, and um, Christians don't say, I want it my way, okay, or I want it that way. That would be a 1999 uh, Backstreet Boys song. Uh, each one of us here, like someone would say a lyric, and then we would all start singing all these crazy songs, and, uh, and so I, I just thought of I want it that way. That's the Backstreet Boys. That's not what Christians say, though. 
Christians don't say, I want it my way. Christians say, what can I do to advance the kingdom of God? What can I do to make sure the gospel gets out? Because my life is not about me. My life is not about me. Can you believe that? Can I get an amen or an ouch in the chat? Your life is not about you. If your life is about you, your life is so small. But God has called you to something bigger that your life and my life would be about Christ and about glorifying him. So it's not about I want it my way. No, that's Burger King Christianity, not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity says this. What can I do that would best serve the kingdom of God, advancing and making known the gospel, the good news, the glorious good news of Jesus Christ? And that does involve risk of all types. And so let's look at back at the text here. I want to look at a couple of words here. Notice what he says about risky Epaphroditus. There are three um, terms here, adjectives. He says this. Epaphroditus, notice what he says first. My brother, my brother, there is a kinship, just like there is kinship between all Christians. So Epaphroditus, my brother, he's a brother in the Lord. Then he says this, he says, and fellow worker. He is a co-laborer with Paul, a, a, a co-worker. He says, man, Epaphroditus, he's made this journey here, and he is my brother, and he is a, a co-laborer, a co-worker. But then he goes on to say this, he is also a fellow soldier. Again, connotating to us that, that Risky E is laying down his life. There, there are bullets coming. There is danger lurking, and he is not afraid. He is unashamed of the gospel and ready to make known Jesus Christ and to put his life at risk because God has called him to something greater. And then there are two other adjectives that he says about Risky E. He says, your messenger, your messenger, and your what? Minister. Let's focus on those two words there. Messenger, actually, it comes from the same root word as apostle. And so part of what Paul wants to do here is to honor Epaphroditus. He's going to say that in, a, in another verse here in a second. And, uh, but he wants to make sure the church at Philippi honors Epaphroditus, Risky E, because what happens is Risky E actually gets sick, and, um, and, and he is going to get sent back to Philippi, and he's not going to be able to fulfill his commitment to stay with Paul. And, um, and this is a Middle Eastern culture, which is an honor-shame culture. If you do the right things, you get honored. If you do the wrong things, you get shamed. And, uh, and I don't know, we don't always understand that. I think maybe one of the easiest things, if you've seen popular movies about um, some Japanese culture and samurais, and, you know, if, if they don't conquer uh, the battle, they, they fall on the sword, that sort of stuff. This is that's an honor-shame culture. And, and so there is this possibility for Epaphroditus to feel shame and, and perhaps even for the church to feel shame. Like, man, Epaphroditus, you're supposed to stay with Paul. And, uh, and Paul is saying, no, 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 man, he risked his life for me. He did, he did everything that he needed to do. And I want you to honor men and women like Risky E because, man, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you what he did. And so he's, he's saying this. He uses this word. He was your messenger. He's reminding the church, you sent him out. And, he's, and this is the same word for apostle. And that's a big word to say, this guy was like an apostle. He was a sent out one. You guys anointed him as a leader and you sent him out. You trusted him with this money. You trusted him to persevere for the journey and not get tired and say, you know what? I got all this money. Man, I could, I could start a new life and, um, you know, halfway between here and Rome. Um, and uh, no, man, he is your messenger. He is your apostle. You sent him out. And, um, and so he wants them to make sure he's honored. So he says, your messenger or apostle. Then he uses this word here, minister. It's actually related to uh, what people would, would say in some churches, liturgy, uh, which would mean an act of service or an act of 
ministry. And so he says, uh, the English translation calls it your minister here. And, um, and it comes from uh, the Latin word that we would use for minister in some branches of government comes from the word ministerium, which means a servant, a servant. So he's saying he's serving someone who offers a task and support to others. But it's even greater than that because in the ancient times, in the Greco-Roman times when Paul was writing this, they would use this word minister or liturgia uh, for people that were the supreme benefactors of their city. In Roman times, there were certain benefactors, people who had money and would give of themselves, they would give of their wealth to make sure their city was taken care of. They would undertake and sacrifice their money. They loved their own city so much they wanted things to get paid for and done. Here are some of the things that the, uh, the liturgos or the ministers of those ancient times did. And this is the idea that Paul is equating with risky E, Epaphroditus. He says uh, some of the, the ministers would do this. They would pay for an embassy and different buildings to be built. They would also pay for theaters to be built. And for the poets and philosophers of those days, they would pay the actors and the poets to come and put on these plays. That's what they would do, these ministers. They would sacrifice so their city could be better. They would also pay for the training of the athletes for the Olympic Games. And, uh, and so they would go to these different ministers, people who were, they knew were sacrificial givers. And they would say, man, we need, we want our city to be well represented. And so would you consider paying? And there was no tax breaks, ladies and gentlemen. They weren't doing this to get a tax break, right? They were doing this out of the goodness and the sacrificial of their heart. One other thing that these ministers would often do, they would often pay for warships to be built um, to protect their city. They would even pay the sailors who rode and defended that worship. They were paying for their navy, as it were. I mean, that's an amazing thing here. And so we see that these were the supreme benefactors. And he's, he's using this word apostle and minister to say, man, I want you to honor people like Risky E, who is, who is, man, going the extra mile for the body of Christ, going the extra mile for the gospel to be proclaimed. And so, man, don't shame him at all. And um, he, he got sick and uh, he wasn't able to complete the commitment he thought he could do. And so, man, just encourage him when he comes back. Give him a hero's welcome. Give a man like that a party when he comes home, right? And so let's keep looking at the rest of the text there. Verse 26, let's look at what it says. And Paul encourages them along these lines. Verse 26, for he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed. Now, why is he distressed? Because you heard that he was ill. Notice this. Again, risky is not about himself. He's not distressed because he was ill. He's distressed that the church is distressed. Like, oh, man, Epaphroditus couldn't complete the mission. And, uh, and man, oh, we're going to look bad and we're, and we're distressed. Epaphroditus is not thinking of himself. He's thinking of others. This is that selflessness, much like Timothy had last week. It's a selfless sacrifice. And so he's distressed. So he says, listen, I'm, uh, he's been longing for you. And he's distressed. And look with me at verse 27. Indeed, indeed, verse 27 says, he was ill. And how ill was he? He was so ill. He was near to death. Man, this is some serious sickness that Epaphroditus had. But God had mercy on him. But not only him, but also on me lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Let me just pause and talk 
about the Apostle Paul and even talk about this whole idea that we're talking about sacrificially living for the sake of the gospel and laying down our lives and, and risking God-centered, kingdom-advancing, others-focused risk, right? But Paul's even saying, because uh, Paul would say earlier, look, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It would be better for me to die and, and to go home to be with heaven, right? Paul is the one who says those things. But notice here, he still keeps death in its proper perspective. Death is still the enemy. And so while Paul can say in one vein, yes, to live as Christ and to die as again, I'll go and be, be with heaven, but death is still really hurtful. And, and listen, if Epaphroditus died on this journey, man, I would be have, look at the word, sorrow upon sorrow. And so Paul isn't just like this stoic, yeah, to live as Christ, die as gain, and death doesn't hurt me. You know, and sometimes people try to get that way, you know, and when people are very ill or sick or uh, when people are, um, you know, passed away and at funerals, you know, hey, they're, they're just, they're, you know, this. And listen, Paul is sensitive to the fact that death and grieving still is really painful. And Paul knows that and, and God knows that. And he says, man, if that happened, that would cause sorrow upon sorrow. And so don't ever think Christianity is all about chin up stoicness. No, God knows our hearts and he mourns with those who mourn. And so if you've been mourning, Recently, man, just know the Lord is with you, and, uh, and, the, and the scriptures are sensitive to that. All right, let's go on to the next verse, verse 28. Sorrow upon sorrow, verse 28 says this. I am the more eager to send him, so he's going to send him back, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. Uh, Paul saying, man, Epaphroditus was making me anxious because I really thought that joker was going to kick the bucket and uh, I, just, I just didn't want that. I, I know he risked his life, but man, uh, it was breaking my heart to see him so sick. So I'm sending him back to you, and I want you to honor him. So look what verse 29 says. Notice what it says. So receive him. Receive him. What does that mean? Encourage him. Bring him in. Don't shame him. Receive him in the Lord with all joy. There's part of that joy theme. And then it says this. Honor such men. Honor such men. Receive him and Honor him, and this is so important. And then verse 30 says this, for he nearly what? Died. He nearly died for what? For the work of Christ. Could that be a verse that you memorize? In addition, we have memory verses here every month. You can get those, but man, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. And then it says this, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me, risking his life. He nearly died for the sake and the work of Christ. Church, I want to encourage us here in 2021 that we as believers, the call of God upon our lives, the call upon my life, and I don't like this any more than you do, man, is, is to lay down our lives because it's in laying down our lives that we truly find life. Taking God-centered, kingdom-advancing, Others focus risks to love people well, to forgive. That's a risk to forgive. It's a risk to love others. It's a risk to give sacrificially. It's a risk to serve. It's a risk to share the gospel. All those things are a risk, but God is calling us because life is worth living at, at a grander, bigger picture, an adventure with Christ. I used to have a pastor, old Rough and Snow, back in Newton Conover, North Carolina, wore his cowboy boots. He was an Oklahoma preacher. And um, he actually rode a Harley right up the middle of the pew. And this was at a, a man, an old, old Southern Baptist church. But um, he was just a great guy. Um, but, but, man, he, he would often 
talk about this sort of idea, you know, this kingdom advancing, others-focused, gospel-centered, risk-taking. And this flies in the face of our American consumer-oriented, protect myself, secure myself, uh, get all I can, can all I get, and then sit on the can. Have you heard that before? Get all I can, can all I get, and sit on the can. And just protect and, and continue to get things for me and continue to buy more stuff for me and continue to, uh, I need the latest this and I got to live in this neighborhood. And, and, and instead of living simply so that others can simply live, right? And instead of using the resources that God has given us for the sake of the gospel to go out throughout the world to help the oppressed, to encourage the brokenhearted, And so this flies in the face of our American consumerism. We say things like, you know, well, nothing is more important than than my safety. Nothing is more important than, uh, you know, your children's safety. Well, something is more important than our safety. Jesus Christ is far more important. And let me tell you something. The safest place for me and the safest place for you is in the will of God. Amen? Right? Not not, not where we think we're safe, not trying to protect ourselves, because Jesus is going to remind us that if we lay down our lives... This is the way that he lives. And so listen, I want to say this, though. Risking our lives for the sake of the gospel is different than recklessness. Risking God-centered, kingdom-advancing, others-focused is different than recklessness. Recklessness is just doing whatever you want because you think you're brave and spiritual and all this sort of stuff. That's that's foolishness, right? Um, And and listen, I'm I'm not telling anyone to be reckless because recklessness is always self-focused. I want to do it my way. I don't want to wear this. I don't want to do that. I don't don't want to go there. I want my rights. See, that's recklessness. It's not risky for a father to push his son out of the way or his child out of the way or his wife out of the way and take a bullet for them. That's that's not risky. That's love. That's others focused. Now, if he pushes, if he gets out of the way and puts his son or his child or his wife in front of him and lets them take the bullet, that's reckless. See, that's the difference. Reckless is always me focused. I want my rights and what I want. But see, risking, God-centered, kingdom advancing, others-focused risking is what God has called us to do for the gospel. Used to have uh, some football coaches and basketball coaches that would say things to me like this, Mackie, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. The problem is we have been so comfortable for so long. We have learned how to purchase our own comfort from controlling the very temperature in every room uh, to now we don't even have to get up off the couch to turn off lights. We're just like, Alexa, turn off the light. You know, Alexa, turn on the fan. Alexa, tell me the news. You know, I mean, uh, the comfort we have is, is unbelievable. And listen, I'm not saying this to make you or me feel guilty because I got Alexa too and I love her. And, um, but listen, that can lead us to believe that we live in this world full of comfort where we are God and we deserve all of these things. Instead of reminding ourselves that, listen, we got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I was just doing some stretches. It was actually last week, and I was stretching after a workout, and I was doing my little yoga poses and my workout clothes, and my wife was laughing at me, and, um, and she was taking pictures of me and sending them to people. That's how much my wife loves me. And uh, maybe if she loves you too, uh, she'll send them to you, right? And, um, but listen. I've been learning that stretching is painful. And, and when I stretch, I'll just stretch till it hurts just a little, 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 little bit. But when I get with the coach, when I get with the trainer, they're like, oh, no, you got to stretch further. And I'm like, I can't. And then they push your back or they make you go further. And you're like, oh. And they're like, listen, you're not going to advance unless you stretch. And so, listen, sometimes we haven't advanced in our faith. Some of us have been stuck in the faith of our childhood 
for 20 years, for 30 years, for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. You've been stuck in the faith of your childhood because you have never taken a God-centered risk. Man, I don't want that to be me. I want to be like risky. Again, not reckless. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 16. We read this last week and uh, so important to uh, read it again because we really believe that the way to get life, to, to get all I, I can and can all I get and sit in the can is, is to get what I want and to protect and to keep to myself. Jesus says, no, if you want to find life, you want to live life to the fullest, you want the abundant life, this is what Jesus says, Matthew 16, he says this, for whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will what? You will find it. The ways of Jesus, the ways of the kingdom of God are the opposite of the ways of the world. The world has taught us, man, protect yourself. Look out for number one. Take care of you. Jesus says, no. Seek first the kingdom of God. Lose your life for my sake, and then you will actually truly find your life. And he says, listen, if you try to hang on to your life, you try to hold it tight and protect everything and control everything, you won't have life at all. Man, there is life to be found. Abundant life is what the scripture says. John 10, 10. Man, Jesus says, I can. They may have life and life abundantly. But that life is only found when we lay ours down. Jesus would go on to say things throughout the gospels like this. If anyone wants to um, follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, And then follow me, deny himself, take up your cross. Those are not encouraging things. Those are risky, die to yourself, to love others, to serve the people at your job, to serve your spouse, to serve your siblings, to to maybe surprise them and do their chores for them, to help them instead of just doing what you want to do, right? This is sacrificial love. It was October 28th of 1949. I'm reminded of the great hero of the faith, Jim Elliott who left the comforts of America, brought his family to Ecuador. Great movie uh, about his life and his family's life uh, called Beyond the Gates of Splendor. It's on Amazon or Netflix or something like that. Beyond the Gates of Splendor. It's about Jim Elliott. You can write that down. And um, man, it is incredible. But he wrote this in his journal. We'll share this quote with you. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep, to gain what he could never lose. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he could never lose. What can we gain? We could gain the kingdom of God. And we're giving up the stuff that that we already didn't have anyways, right? Giving up to gain something far greater, life and life abundant. And he wrote that in his journal. He didn't write that for a poster. He didn't write that for Twitter. He didn't write that for a sermon or for a book. He wrote that in his journal because he himself was marinating on that. He needed that truth. And listen, I'm not perfect. I'm not out here, you know, taking uh, all kinds of bold, God-centered risks every day. I need this reminder as much as anybody else. God has been challenging me on this, right, saying, Mackie, you've got to make sure you are, you are living a life that is laid down for the sake of others, not comfort to protect Mackie. In fact, I want you to look at the word in the text there, again, where it says, he risked his life for others. That word risk there in Greek is parabolani. It's actually a gambling term. Uh, risk or gambling, it was all about taking a risk on um, the roll of dice. That's how the word is actually used. But it's interesting because when you read early Christian history, you can find there was a group called the Parabolani or the risk takers or the gamblers or the pioneers. 
And these Parabolani, there were these people, there were these Christians in every community where the churches were called the Parabolani. And they were the ones that would go in to visit the prisoners, even though there were no, like, protections for them. And they could get in prison themselves. They would visit the sick and um, knowing, right, they didn't have masks like us. They didn't, have, they didn't have knowledge of diseases and how they were spread. But they knew they had to care for these people. And they were willing to risk their lives. They were the risk takers, the righteous risk takers, the parabolani. In fact, it was around uh, 252 A.D. that a plague overtook the Roman Empire. It's called the Cyprian Plague. We talked about Cyprian a few weeks ago. He was a bishop of the church in North Africa, Carthage. And uh, Cyprian uh, didn't start the plague. Uh, they didn't name it after him uh, because of that. They named it after him because he wrote prolifically about it. He wrote prolifically about it because he got his church together in the middle of a plague. And he said, look, church, we're not going anywhere. We are going to serve this city. What would happen was the pagans, the unbelievers, man, they would toss their dead out the window and they would get out of Dodge. But he said, congregation, we're staying together and we're going to love these people. We're going to serve these people. Much like our frontline workers and hospitals and grocery stores have done, putting their lives at risk throughout this whole pandemic for the sake of others. His church did that. And historians, historian Dionysius said this, this quote uh, about them. It says, heedless of danger, these Parabolani and, and the people in Cyprian's church, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need, ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy. For if they were infected by others with disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors, they cheerfully accepted these pains. Why did they cheerfully accept these pains? Because they knew their life wasn't just about them and self-protecting and self-preserving and getting their way and just living a, a cushy, happy life. No, they knew that their life was about something greater, the gospel and loving God and loving others. And so what do we do, Pastor? What do we do? Do we all sign up to go to North Africa? Do we all sign up to go on a mission trip to Iran and Afghanistan and China and, and countries where the gospel is not getting out? If the Lord's calling you to do that, please follow through with that. We'd love to help you, right? Um, maybe God is calling you to take that risk. And um, I certainly um, pray that you would listen to the Lord and that I would listen to the Lord. Maybe just risking looks like Loving your neighbor better, loving your siblings better. Again, the people in your house. What would it look like if you were to sacrificially lay down your life a little more, uh, to, to give up that time of TV, uh, to have a conversation with your spouse or with your sibling, to give up that time of, uh, that you normally spend to focus on someone else, to serve uh, here at our church, uh, to serve in our community uh, with some other organization. There are many of great organizations. I mean, what would that look like for you to sacrificially give uh, maybe you've never given before, and uh, maybe you would start sacrificially giving, laying down your preferences. Um, there are several funds. If you want to give to missionaries overseas, you could contact us about that. You know, I mean, uh, just, just that act, right? And so that's important. But maybe it's just repenting and, and saying, Lord, I want to repent of my selfishness and my self-protecting God, and I want to be someone who takes risks when they present themselves, and I want to live a life that is not my own, that is laid down for the sake of others. Like, does that make sense to you? That's the question I'm asking you. Or does protect yourself make sense to you? Listen to your feelings and your gut make sense to you. Because if you're listening to your feelings and your gut, what you're really saying is, my feelings are Lord, my gut is Lord, and Jesus is not Lord of my life. And that's a problem if you call yourself a Christian. Because Christians believe 
Jesus is the Lord over their lives. Not their feelings, not their protection, not their self-interest, but Jesus. And so repent. And then just find one thing. Just find one thing you can do this week for others. I, I like to say this, and this has been a helpful reminder because sometimes I get overwhelmed, honestly. I get overwhelmed with the needs of people, with the needs of our community, with the needs of our nation. So just practice this this week, maybe. Do for one what you wish you could do for all, right? I wish I could help all these people, Pastor, and I feel that way too. I wish I could help all the homeless people. I wish I could help all the people in this category, or that category, all the single moms or all the people wrestling with this, all the people. Listen, just do for one person. Maybe that's just one phone call this week. That's a, you take time out of your schedule, sacrifice, and you call someone from our directory that needs encouragement. They're suffering. They're going through uh, a difficult time. Call them. Maybe write a, a card. Some of you are great at that, and you have done that regularly. Praise God for you. I thank the Lord for you. So maybe that's your step. Do for one, write that down. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Because sometimes we just get overwhelmed. And it's just, God, who can I bless this week? Who can I sacrificially? What can I do this week in my office that would be sacrificial for others for the sake of the gospel? When people ask me, I just tell them about Jesus. Because that's really what this is all about. This whole passage is really about us walking in the footsteps of Jesus. That we always come back to the gospel. Let's look at the earlier part of Philippians. I want to close with this verse. And then we'll go from there. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says this. Christ, Christ, who though he was in the form of God, God, Jesus Christ was fully God, says this, did not count equality with God something to be what? Grasp. In other words, he didn't cling to his rights as God. He didn't come to the earth and say, I'm God. All of you fall and worship me and lick my toenails and, and, and scrub my feet. No, he didn't say that. No, look at verse 7. What did Jesus do? Instead of demanding to be served, Jesus emptied himself. He emptied himself, right? That's sacrifice. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of man. Could you imagine Jesus, the infinite God who takes up all of the universe because he's infinite and now he's compressed into a human body? I was thinking about this the other day. A human body filled with the flesh and struggles and aches and pains that you and I have, filled with the temptation that is in our flesh. Man, he compressed himself, that he took the nature of a servant. And then it goes on to say this, verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of what? Death, even death on a cross. That's Christ, even death on a cross. Why are we living sacrificial lives? Because our Savior lived a sacrificial life. And we are called to live in his ways. If you don't know Christ, we'd love to invite you to follow him. Start a relationship with him today. This God loved you so much that he sacrificed himself. He didn't say, little human being, little peon who lives on that earth, I would love to get rid of you because you've sinned against me and I will demolish you. No, he didn't say that. He sent his son to the cross, the cruel cross. He was spit upon, mocked, made fun of, and, and beaten by humans, even though he could have destroyed us all with one word and would have had every right to because we had offended him tremendously with our sins. And he says, but sir or ma'am, child, teenager, I love you so much. I'm going to sacrifice my life so that you can be restored back to a right relationship with me. That's what Christianity is all about. Not religion, but a relationship. If that's you and you know God has been speaking to you and you're trying to get back to God and, and grow close to God, he has already come close to you and he's just inviting you into a relationship. You could start that relationship by, by prayer. How do you do that? You can just repeat these words after me. Prayer is as simple as talking 
to God. You may want to say this just right wherever you're at. You can say it in the quietness of your heart. You can say something like this. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. I admit that I've sinned against you. God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, I'm sorry for my sins. But I ask that you'd forgive me. I ask that you forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you rose again on the third day. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I give myself to you completely. I give myself to you completely. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, let us know in the chat. That would be such a blessing because we want to help you grow. We want to say welcome to the family like they welcomed Epaphroditus and Risky. You want to say welcome home to the plaza and really not to the plaza family necessarily, but more importantly to the kingdom of God, the family of God, of all Christians everywhere. And so let us know. You can hit that notification in the chat there. You can fill out an online connection card. We would love to connect with you and help you continue to grow. So church, let's continue to live lives that are sacrificially courageous. Let's be like Epaphroditus and continue to advance the gospel.